We have an announcement. XY Advisor is raising cash in an equity crowdfund held by Birchall. Um, so you can find it at birchall.com forward slash company forward slash XY Advisor. If you'd like to own a piece of the social network moving forward, it'd be great to have you as an investor. All right, onto the podcast. Welcome to the XY Advisor podcast, to join a global community of financial advisors sharing and learning with one another to drive the positive evolution of financial advice, head to xyadvisor.com. G'day, g'day, how's it going? What do you know? Strike a like, Clayton here from XY and uh, getting to chat with Jake, mate. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast. Yeah, pleasure. Um, now, uh, I have heard some really good feedback that you did uh, with one of the XY Plus digital events, um, a bit about budgeting. That um, was definitely a cornerstone of my offering. And I think it's a understanding cash flow is sort of like the first step into that whole coaching world so to speak. Um, it was strangely enough, if you go back even just, you know, to the start of last decade, I guess it would have been the concept of, um, an advisor dealing with cash flow was kind of like, I mean, you did it to understand their insurance or maybe, uh, if they needed a mortgage, but you know, it wasn't really something you charged for and it was, but it's certainly, uh, certainly flourished over time. I know Steve Crawford did a really good job, uh, in those early days. I sort of, um, sort of came up with a concept similar, um, independently of him a little bit after. And then what, what's dawned on me is that many people have come up independently of their own ideas, uh, over time. And it's now, I guess, spoken about at a point in time where people are able to share what it, what, what's happening. I've just become a father and I just got Dylan actually to send me his budget calculator that he made up for like returning to work mums. And I'm like, yes, that's, that's the exact kind of thing I need. So it's, it's amazing to see sort of what is happening and what's happened with budgeting. And so I'm keen to, uh, I get, I guess, get your ideas on uh, what you what you spoke about in that XY Plus event, but also, you know, how did you get here? And, you know, is I guess the broader sense, what's happening in COVID and all those good things. So uh, sort of let's start from the top. How did you get into this, you'd say, stage of your career where you're, where you're I guess, comfortable with, with budgeting and that kind of thing? Yeah. Yeah, so there's this there's a turning point client of mine, and I won't mention the name obviously, but um, who came to me and they were just after some insurance, um, really basic stuff, but they had 180 grand in their offset account. They felt rich, but didn't feel like they were allowed to spend any money. So when the conversation of insurance premiums came up and how do we structure that, super, personal, et cetera, the conversation quickly came about the dollars and not the value of the insurance, no matter how many times I flipped the conversation around. And it got me asking the right questions about, you guys got all this cash sitting on your offset account. And they go, yeah, yeah. But if that ever gets below 180, we freak out. Or if that's above 200, we feel like we like need to go on a holiday to spend the money. So their mindset was about this mysterious 180 figure <laughs> that had no bearing on reality. So it got me thinking, we need to get more accountability. And one of the, the, um, the, the wife of the, in the client, she actually did an accounting degree 
at university, but never practiced it. So she had a very textbook approach to, we just keep a whole heap of money. That's good. <laughs> but doesn't really think how else that money could be using it in offset. Fantastic. But the concept of multiple offset accounts, for example, does the same job, but gives us higher accountability on what the money is actually doing. Yeah. Yeah. So that was the turning point. That's, how, that's why I decided to even go down this avenue at all. Yeah. Interesting. Um, did, did you just learn on the job or did you go anywhere for training? Yeah. So it's um, this system, it's kind of a mashup of a whole stack of different people. So um, your big obvious ones are your barefoot Scott Papes, Dave Ramsey, um, you know, Kenneth Campbell more on the investment side, your stuff even came, came in the mix. Hi. So uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so it was a big mashup of going, cool. Lots of people know something special about budgeting. It's not discounting any previous person who's had a view on budgeting, but I'm trying to make it as foolproof as possible. You could almost give it to any client and make something close to it work pretty quickly. Yes. Awesome. So, yeah, I'm, I'm always interested by yeah. that story because um, I had, I guess, a similar in, situation where a client said to me once, yeah, I understand Clayton, you can sort out investments, super insurance. He goes, but you know, what can you do that makes my life better today? And I was like, that's a really good point. Like everything (laughs) that I've just said, I'm like, how good is your future? And he's like, yeah, but you know, like, and and it was kind of interesting. So I went away and sort of thought about it for a while. And then, um, so that, that initial spark is always a very interesting concept. How, How have you found communicating your framework to existing clients and prospective clients? How have you found that? Yeah, so I use the same framework for both sets of clients. So pretty much all I had to do was get really clear on my language and go, because the word buffer, the word float, the word emergency fund, they get thrown around a lot. Um, And we've all got a different connotation based on who taught it to us in the first place, if we've even learned it in the first place. Um, so I had to get really clear on my language. And as I laid out the strategy, which is what I did in the XY event, um, the other week, but, um, what I did with that is just purposefully went from left to right. This account does this, this account does that, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and, but what the rules are for each account Mm. and the whole point of the whole exercise of budgeting is not so that the advisor gets a higher ego or anything, because that's not how any advisor I know works but it's all about empowering the client to make those trade-off discussions in the moment, real yes. time. Yes. Yeah. yeah. So as soon as we can empower clients to do that, job's done. And then we can use something useful for insurances, for stupid <laughs> contributions, for all the stuff we want to do. <laughs> yeah, it's a, really good, it's a really good way of putting it. It's almost like the budgeting takes that random 180K Mm-hmm. Or, and, and, but that's only just for that client because every client has their weird sort of equilibrium, right? They, they, yeah. Wherever they, it's 180 or if it's minus 180, right? Everyone's <laughs> like wherever they think is, is a healthy point. And it's sort of saying, okay, well, you've got your sort of rudimentary view of where, what's normal and what, what you know, where money should go. But actually, this is a better framework. And this is, this is going mm-hmm. to, rather than it being one set of money that does X, Y, Z, it's these five or six or seven or two or three or whatever, how many sort of buckets or, or ways that you've separated or accounts. And you can allocate 
a certain importance or, or value to each of them. So, so for, for you, I'm sure you sort of went, okay, cool. There's a 180, but the 180 is an imaginary figure. What, what do you actually want to do uh, with that money? And what, and, and, uh, and what money do you want to, like rather than just, oh, we've made extra cash, so let's go blow it on this, uh, you know, on this trip overseas. Well, do you really want to? Like there's nothing to say that you have to go and spend that money, right? So I'm sh- that would have been a really interesting uh, conversation to have uh, undoubtedly. Um, and so when you're, when you're talking to a client, how do you get them to... Um, a, well, how do they see the value in, 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 uh, in what it is that you want to help them to achieve? I, I'm, I'm really interested in the sort of the communication of, yeah. of your service offering. Yeah. Believe it or not, it's no different to any other financial advisor because it's goals based. So a goal could be holiday. It could be a new car, it could be whatever, but we we frame as financial advisors, we frame goals in terms of retirement and you know all these things that we do because that's just our world but it's the same mental conversation to have for we need to buy a new violin for sally at school you know it's the same conversation it just needs to be budgeted in the same way that we put regular contributions into investments or super same conversation yeah yeah cool so you're sort of going through the let's call it the fact find process Mm-hmm. saying okay cool these goals can be achieved with some with, with budgeting uh services from myself and these and these longer term can be achieved with uh investing services and and so you're sort of um listening to the client and then saying okay well i can help you achieve all of these with these different types of services is that basically it yeah yeah you're getting really close so it's the holistic nature of financial planning i don't like using that word because it has different connotations as yes. well but when I say holistic, I mean, if I move this lever, it's going to impact this thing as well. Yeah. So cash flow on insurances, insurances on estate planning, everything is interconnected. And that's just, so why my meetings, believe it or not, I start the meeting talking about insurance will finish with budgeting or yeah, we'll start right. talking about super and we'll hit something else, but work out that's the more pressing goal that they're actually after today. And the next meeting will look at something else. Interesting. Interesting. Actually, um, where do you get the majority of your new client um, um, leads, if you want to call them that? Yeah. A combination of social media, not that they're doing anything special on there, um, and referrals from those people from social media. Awesome. So I'm hitting probably the age, uh, early 30s to early 40s. Um, they live on Instagram, a lot of them. Yeah. And there's these, there's these little communities Um happy for you guys to look them up as well, but um, debt free community fire community, which is financially independent, retire early is what the acronym there. Um, all of these little subsects of people who might have completely different careers, like nothing to do with financial planning or anything like that, but their interest is about money and they've researched things even deeper than I've researched things. Mm. So, and that's, they just live on Instagram and they live in Facebook groups. That's their world. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I just started uh, playing in that bit. <laughs> that's awesome, mate. That's really cool. Um, I, I, undoubtedly, you would have come across a, a, um, a bloke called Mr. Money Mustache. Oh, yes, I have. I don't actively follow. Um, yeah, yeah, yes. yeah. Yes, so yeah, yeah. Uh, that, that was one um, that I, that back in the day, this is going back a few years now, but I remember the more that, I was sort of getting into this cash flow piece. Yeah. The more I'd sort of meet with people and they'd be like, oh, yeah, I'm a Mr. Money 
mustache. And I'm like, that is a, yeah. Okay. Well, that's an interesting, but these people wanted to retire by like 40 and I'm like, Oh, I don't think that we're going to be able to work together because that's probably a little bit too ambitious. Either that, or you're going to live a pretty mm, like stoic lifestyle up until that. And then you're going to live a pretty stoic lifestyle after that. So I don't know. Maybe some people, maybe some people just really hate their job. I don't know, but it's, it's, uh, it certainly wasn't yeah. um, something that I could connect with on, on an individual basis, but, um, but that makes sense. So the tools, what are the tools that you use to, because, um, I used to, I used to love sitting in the client meeting and I used to have my own little sort of spreadsheet up there. And then I'd go through and, I'd play around with the numbers and, and then that's, that was such a cool little immediate realization that, yeah, that money goes down there. It comes out of somewhere else. And then that was it. So do you have, do you have your own self-built tools or do you use tools that are already in existence? What do you do? Yeah. So I do have tools, but I don't lead with them. So it's not the, so I don't like, um, and every advisor is completely different. I'm starting to realize this the more I chat to other advisors about it. Yeah. <laughs> but um, I don't like to dangle shiny things in front of people. I like to empower them so they can do it themselves. And the example I think I gave the other week was, it's like Weight Watchers or Jenny Craig's or those sort of done for you approaches to weight loss mm. where they kind of hold your hand a little too much, even though the system is brilliant, most likely. I haven't researched those two. They're, 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 yeah, <laughs> I'm yeah, not advocating yeah. or, or not. But um, they've kind of done a lot of the heavy lifting for you that you don't think about, oh, calories in, calories out. It's a point-based system or whatever. Same with budgeting. Whatever system they've got, I temporarily take it off them and go, cool, let's go back to tin tax. Let's go to paper and you fill out an old fashioned line by line budget, not for this purpose of going that belongs in that account or that whatever, more to get it on paper. Then I put it directly into, so um, ASIC Money Smart have got their budgeting tool. Mm-hmm. It's pretty decent these days. Yeah, they've, yeah. they've updated it. I input the data into there. And it spits out a really pretty graph. So it does the job, but it says how much they're meant to be saving or how much they're going backwards. I use it just for their headline figure, just to bring that conversation around to, oh, it says you should be saving 30 grand a year, but we've only got 10 grand in our account and we've been doing this for four years. Mm. So something's not right. So I use tech just to get to that point. Then I lay out the fact that, so this, the structure that I like to run, it's old fashioned bucket budgeting. Every bank account has a purpose. I th- believe your approach was pretty similar to that kind of concept. Yeah. So once there's money in a certain account for a certain purpose, we're allowed to spend it for that predefined, mm. pre-planned approach. Anything unexpected, we've got to tweak on the fly. But if we've already planned for it, we can spend it. Yeah. So we're taking away all of the thinking. And that's what I was saying earlier about the real-time trade-off discussion because as advisors and accountants as well, we like to have that trade-off discussion with clients is how we're, it's how we're built. So, but to let clients in on that framework of thinking, if I spend money here, I have to take it from here if I don't already have enough money. Therefore, my Christmas holidays is not going to be as lavish because I really wanted to upgrade the car. You yeah. know, I'm being, like, picking silly examples, but that's the trade-off discussion. We empower the husband and wife or the partners to have behind the scenes, not in front of an advisor. Yeah, that's a, that's a great approach. Um, in hindsight, I feel like my, uh, methodology was 
a little bit too handholdy, if that's the right uh, term to use. Sure. Um, I used to take it completely out of um, – the reason was like I really wanted the outcome. And mm. so the outcomes that I was getting with clients were really good, but because they had no control over their cash, like their, their salary would go into an account that they basically couldn't touch – and then mm-hmm. from there, it would go to all the places that it needed to go. And then they would be able to spend what, you know, what was allocated. But, and so the results that we got were really, really good. But in hindsight, and especially like the more conversations I've had with really good financial planners, it's more along the lines of what you're talking about and the way that you're doing it, which is you're co-creating the plans yes. with the client almost to the point where you're trying to get the client to come up with the plan. Um, because, exactly right. Yeah. Because <laughs> at, at that stage, when, uh, when someone's so bought into the, pro- like when someone's so invested in the process that they've helped created, that there's just so more, much more likely to implement it. And, and I would look at the, I guess I would look at what the budgeting in financial planning was in, in the early 2010s. And it wasn't working because advisors were just sort of like making a budget and handing it to the client. And then the client just wasn't following it. And I thought the issue was we're putting too much into the hands of the client. So my, my thesis was, well, if we remove it from the client, then the chances of achieving it will go up. And that's true. It's true. However, um, there was, I don't, I don't think there was enough buy-in. Mm-hmm. Uh, in hindsight. And so probably the way that I'd approach it now is that whole co-creation, uh, if not getting them to create it themselves. And then there's less, I guess, uh, necessity for the advisor than to set up the accounts and to control how much is going into each and every account and things like that, which I was doing. And it was a nightmare. It was an audit <laughs> nightmare, but I'll, it was just, you know, the way that I decided to run it. Um, and I think, I think there is definitely a way to make that happen. Uh, and the, and the advisor plays more of a, um, a guide, a yes. guide role and, and, yeah, and framework. Yes. Yeah. Yes. So have you found that that is working for you? Absolutely. Yep. So with the emergency fund, for example, that's the first account that I always start with. i I place these little milestones for people who aren't used to the concept, 1000 bucks, 2005, 10. But a client I saw last night said, if I don't have 50 grand in that account, I won't sleep at night. And she's already had uh, part of how her offset account works is you capped at 50 grand for that particular one. You can have another one. So mentally for years, she's had this concept of there's 50 grand sitting there. Mm-hmm. So I said, totally, your emergency fund which the job of the emergency fund is for pure emergencies. It's not to pay bills. It's not to pay a lot of other things. It's to replace cars if they break down. And that happened to me this week (laughs) or last week rather. Um, And it's to pay medical bills. It's to pay vet bills. It's to pay unexpected stuff, which are true emergencies by nature that if you don't fix them now, you know, we're going to have big problems. So that's the true emergency side of things. But the bills account, can also become part of what we used to think of emergency or rainy day money because it can also start providing for us for redundancies, for COVID, for, you know, no one can plan COVID, but you can plan, and this is what a good income protection um, advice <laughs> is, is we do plan that we're going to get injured at some point. 
we do plan that we're going to get ill, that we're off work for a certain amount of time. So we already do know that that exists. And at the moment, advisors' first tool of choice it's well, is to use insurance for income protection, for example. Um, we still do that. But sometimes because clients don't know their cash flow or don't feel comfortable with their cash flow, we go for a 30-day wait. Mm. For some clients, we can actually put that up to a three-month wait, a 90-day wait, because we self-fund that three months yes. using our own money through bills. That's a great idea, yeah. Interestingly, I never, I never actually did that strategy. Um, the emergency account I would use, but it was always sort of the anticipation with the emergency account would, would be that it was going to get used on a big ticket item at some stage. And then we would yes. sort of leave it, leave the rest in there. But I never actually, cause that's actually not a bad idea to try and figure out a way to increase the wait period and thereby reduce the cost of the premiums, but still sort of have that long-term um, plan in place for, for insurance was to use the emergency fund in the event an emergency occur, a, a medical emergency. I always thought of it in terms of it as uh, exactly what we were talking about before unexpected costs, mm-hmm. but no, that, that makes a lot of sense. I'm, yeah, I'm wondering why I didn't put two and two together. Like that. <laughs> isn't that just, that's financial advice though, isn't it? It's just, oh, oh yes, yeah. of course. Uh, we're, we're, that, that makes a lot of sense. I remember um, because I'm in this new sort of new family position, yes. I have no idea about uh, uh, family tax benefit, right? And, and I, so I sort of asked on the platform, I was like, hey, yeah, family tax close. benefit. And, and, um, and, you know, there's a bunch of responses which, which have been great and, uh, and, um, you know, I didn't even know that it was a Centrelink thing. I, I literally thought it was a, somehow it was attached to the tax, right? Cause it's got the word tax in it. So I'm, I'm, uh, so I've, I've been learning, um, but there are definitely some interesting things there, especially around, uh, you know, if, if someone's sort of using a company with losses and, and it reduces your taxable income, I can definitely see, uh, some, some use cases there. Um, so, so speaking of COVID actually, mm. what are you, um, we asked a question again on the platform the other day, uh, and some really interesting data came out of that. Uh, for anyone that sort of answers the polls, you do actually get to see the results of the polls immediately. Um, and one of the most interesting things that I saw was the highest response was that people were receiving more inbound uh, attention now that COVID was on and that there was a higher uh, conversion rate. Mm-hmm. Now that wasn't for everyone. It was only probably about a third of people and there was a couple other options. Um, but what have you found in terms of your uh, advice business and advice process? Are you yeah. finding that you're getting more incoming or a high chance of conversion or what's your sense in the market right now with COVID? Yeah. So the way I've been using the opportunity is more to frame it in line with our own mortality. Stuff happens, Right. Um, so I've been phrasing the estate planning conversation a lot more forefront, the insurance conversation a lot more forefront and the cash flow a lot more forefront. So using the event like COVID, because I say, you know, COVID was a one in 100 year pandemic, great. Um, the other things that happen, like we have GFCs and we have tech booms and crashes and Y2K scares and we've got, you know, we can go through our history pretty reliably um, September 11, we've got stuff in our history that will always somehow prop itself up. We have no idea what it is or when it is, but it will happen. Yeah. So it rephrases all the conversations to go, 
and this is my conservative nature, which I know we're not meant to overlay on clients, but, <laughs> but my conservative nature says, how do I protect you for next time? You yeah. know, this one might be a little tricky. You might've lost your job, you know, but how do we get you ready for the next one? Cause there will be a next one, but I don't know what it is, when it is or how it is. Yeah. So I've been, um, a lot of my inquiries to answer that part of the question, um, still through the social media around, which is great. Um, but a lot of people are saying, I'm working from home. I can't just duck out and, and catch you, uh, which I'm not, I wasn't doing face-to-faces for a long period of time. So they said, can we do a nighttime Zoom or a before work Zoom, so 7 a.m.? So I was pigeonholing, what's the expression? Um, both ends of the candle um, just for Zoom meetings. So then the, the rest of the day was me working, but I was doing meetings at either side of the day and just feeling zonked. <laughs> To be really honest, feeling empty by the end of it. It got me through, but yeah. <laughs> so, 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 um, well, that's good to hear. Uh, it, in, in, in terms of you've found that COVID hasn't been a detriment to, to your business and to what you're doing? No, I thought it would have been. Early days, I really thought it was going to be a huge detriment. Um, but no, inquiries have kept coming, kept coming in. Yep. Um, and even the questions a lot of people are starting to say, oh, what about investments? Is now a good time to invest? Because I heard on the news, on the radio, some person down the street said that everything's low, so we should buy in. So again, reframe. Oh, I think this is what a lot of advisors do, right? We reframe what they've heard off the streets and put some actual strategy behind it. So I had one client come in and say, pretty similar to that 180K in offset. They had 120 in offset. And they said, I think the times now that we dump it, we've heard about this debt recycling stuff. We want to dump the money from our offset account. We want to get really leveraged up into the market. I think now's the time. I said, but if COVID didn't happen, would you have the same conversation with me? And they're like, oh, no, no, no. We, we like having our buffers. We like having that money sitting there. I'm like, well, we wouldn't entertain it unless even we do a dollar. The averaging is almost still a little too risky based on that approach. It's just they go headline headline oh yeah we believe that it was convincing enough and we should do something but that's not what financial advice is <laughs> yeah it's fun it's, it's i've always found it difficult to articulate that in a service offering mm-hmm. but how to stop people making dumb decisions Love is <laughs> is like one of one of just the most valuable things that financial planners do the amount of times that you just go no 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 let's not do that um and then uh, you know, you've saved them a bunch of cash uh, and a bunch of worry, right? Because it's not mm-hmm. just because imagine if your those clients had sort of said, yeah, um, we, we're going to do that. And then the market goes down 5%, right? But because yes. they're leveraged, it goes down 10% and then they Correct. freak out. And then they're like, oh my God, I would never go into the share market again. It goes down and it's like, oh, geez. Once. Yeah, yep, yep. Yeah, and, 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 and if you think about what the market has been doing. I mean, we've got, we're in the middle of a pandemic and yet, and, and the market plummeted, but then it bounced back massively. And, yeah. and it's, and it's, I mean, it's, especially in the U S it's like crazy. Right. And so what do you do? Do you, do you look at what's going on around us and you go, well, it looks like there's an impending recession just because every shop is shut. Yes. Or do you just look at what exactly is happening on the stock market today? And, oh man, it's, it's, it's a, I think it would, people would be, 
to my mind. And again, I'm sort of conservative like you, which was always a struggle not to overlay that onto other people. <laughs> but, um, but, you know, jumping into the market now and saying, oh, it's definitely time to the moon. I don't know. It's not, yeah. a, it's pretty tricky. So I use the tool. So are you aware of the volatility index, the VIX? The VIX, yeah, traded on the Chicago Stock Exchange, definitely. Yeah. So um, the volatility index, I use that as a gauge of how silly people are being, basically. <laughs> lots of buying, lots of selling. Yeah. And there's no clear indication if it's a buyer's market or seller's market. So yeah. I, use, I use that and just bring it up on Google because I do a lot of Zoom meetings. So I just share my screen, pull up the VIX and show them and go, people are making a lot of silly decisions right now. Do you want to be one of them? Mm. I don't predict what the market's doing. I don't feel it's my job. Um, there's one person, uh, it might've been a Steve Crawford event, but somewhere down the track, I um, heard someone say the separation of budgeting, the separation of financial advice and the separation of investment advice are three different things over in the States. So you have yeah. someone who you go to for investments, which is completely different to your um, Roth IRA account, which is different to your budgeting. Yeah, crazy. Yeah, I kind of feel like my skill set's not in the investments, except for the broad macro picture of being a financial advisor. Yes. Well, I mean, that's pretty normal. Uh, I know some great advisors who wouldn't attach their value to investment philosophy. And then, and then I know some great advisors that do. So, um, Yeah, heavily on that side. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. They, do, they do sort of separate it a bit more in the US, but in Australia, we do definitely um, handle it more as a collective. But everyone has um, positives and negatives in, in their skill set. Um, are, you, are you walking more down the idea of coaching um, at the more that you get into the cash flow sort of thing, the mindset and being able to handle, uh, I guess, uh, yeah. sums of money in a, in a positive way and, and, ha- and sort of improving that relationship to money in a, on a personal level because it's personal finance. Is, is that kind yeah. of where you're, you're sort of taking your advice process? Yeah, and it actually was the goal not too long ago. Before I joined Cobalt, um, I was actually trying to do money coaching exclusively without the financial planning badge. And I found I just weren't, was not getting the leads. The social media was the same. My interaction, everything was the same, but I couldn't say I was a financial advisor for that period of time. Wow. And as soon as I flicked the switch and I told my socials, you know, uh, I've just joined on with, I didn't mention Cobalt, but it wouldn't make a difference to them. <laughs> but um, I've just joined on with these guys. Uh, I can give advice again in, in your more complex stuff, your insurance is your super the very first question was, oh, are you still doing the cash flow piece? Are you still doing this budgeting thing? Because we really need a lot of help on that. I'm like, I've been here, guys. Hey. <laughs> so I found that um, to be able to give that advice, I needed to be an advisor just from the public perspective for the minute. And that might be, that minute might be for the next 10 years. Um, but my ultimate goal is to help people in this space. I've got very little interest in specialising in high net wealth or, or one particular um, thing, which a lot of planners build their bread and butter on because they're a reliable client, et cetera, et cetera. My passion, which is counterintuitive, is helping people look after their money, not mm. the people with no money. Cause um, yeah. Steve Salvia says, you've got to pick clients who can, who can pay you. Yes. Which is great. But so I don't want people with no money, but I want people who don't know how to manage their money. They're the fun clients because as soon as pennies start to drop figuratively and literally, um, they start to get really excited again about money. Money's not just an instant ends or I work Monday to Friday. It actually starts to do something really tangibly. 
Yeah, that's a really, really, really good point. Yeah, you want to work with people that do find it interesting, um, like the work that you're doing for them and you can connect with uh, and enjoy the work that you do is very important. I'm, I'm interested to hear, um, actually, first and foremost, I'm stoked to hear that the fact that you're a financial planner uh, was seen as a positive to the people that you've yes. been speaking to for a long time. That to me is fantastic news. I'm really, really happy to, to hear that there's still weight attached to that term and that it hasn't been completely destroyed and eroded over time. That's fantastic. I'm super glad to hear that. Then I'm interested to hear of what you found different in your licensee now that you didn't have beforehand because uh, oh, this, this is a, a licensee run by Connell, correct? Yeah, it is. Yep. Ben yep. and Connell. Yep. Yep. And he, he, uh, he's obviously a, a very intelligent guy. Um, he's very good with a bunch of things. So I'm interested to, to hear what, what kind of support, what are you finding from a licensee like that? Yeah. So uh, a lot of the help that they've given wasn't on the budgeting piece. It was on the everything else. So um, with our CPD points, for example, we go through um, Caddy, Think Caddy, yep. and we can pick up podcasts from XY. Like it's just next level thinking, right? Yeah. Um, it's just common sense. It's a phrase that Connell and Ben both love is that common sense stuff when it comes to running the um, AFSL. So the compliance goes down the exact same route of let's make this as common sense to an advisor as possible, but also let's protect ourselves like crazy. Yep. So we do have um, proper procedures and policies and documents that, you know, um, have been created, but it was created out of making sure the advisor can actually do the thing as well as look after it. So that's been a lot of their support. I was actually their first um, advisor they brought on apart from themselves. So I was wow. the, one of their foundation advisors, which is pretty cool. Um, so when I, literally when I started, they didn't have formal policies but that grew over time, um, which is obviously how most businesses work. But um, their approach to, to researching it, both Connell and Ben, I'm getting a lot of praise today. This is awesome. Um, <laughs> both of them are very heavily researched and know the answers themselves. It's just not uh, where they should be spending their time when you could outsource to a compliance professional who can work in with you. So obviously they are both um, practicing advisors as well. Um, yes. The concept was actually they became self-licensed for their own business and then decided to bring on other advisors. Yes. And that helped bring the, the protection behind the AFSL as well. Um, yeah. Cause when, when I was with um, my company, uh, it was with a large license as well. Mm-hmm. And there were people in that um, licensee that I liked as people, but I wouldn't say that, I really uh, um, learnt a lot from being in a licensee like that. Are you finding because the licensee is run by practicing advisors totally. that you're getting a more <laughs> of that sort of advisor to advisor peer to peer learning? Yeah, absolutely. And you'd be very well aware that we've got our own group on XY now, yes. private group. Um, and we're not using it literally every day, but we're using it to dump video of explanations on how to use advisor logic better, or we're using it to have a bit more conversation around some stuff. So it's almost like a a message board because we had our, um, so we started doing some regular monthly meetings with all the advisors joining a zoom call. 
and one of the things on it was, oh, can we have like a uh, discussion board or somewhere that we can pop requests up so that by the time we get to next month's meeting, we've got some agenda items. And then literally after that, Connell or somebody had a brain spark or was talking to one of you guys <laughs> and they're like, let's have our own group. And from there, that's how we're starting to use it. Right. That's really interesting. Yeah. It's, um, for us, it's, it's been amazing because we see, I guess, all of the private and secret groups as well mm-hmm. um, that, are, that have been coming out. It's amazing to see what, because uh, what, literally we have no idea what advisors are going to find the most helpful and the most valuable. We've got no idea. We've never, we've never <laughs> known. Like seven years in, we've never known. And we're like, whoa, that's weird. Okay, we'll do that. Um, and so we still, we still approach things with the exact same, um, but, but looking at the way that you guys are using it, I'm, I'm sort of like interesting. So, so it's, um, it's less to do about, cause you guys aren't using it for, to acquire new, when, when I say you guys, like Cobalt's not using it to acquire new people into the platform or into no. their, um, licensee, but it's a way to share information. So it Within really is group. that, yeah. that peer to peer learning, um, which, which I think, you know, it, it makes the most sense. Um, so we'll see where it goes, you know, like it, it may, we have no idea where, where this thing's headed. So um, I'm just glad that you guys are finding it useful. Um, mate. So I've, the last thing I just want to finish up on is mm-hmm. how do you feel about the future of advice? What's your sense check? Like with yeah. all the changes that have occurred over sort of the last, you know, decade or so, um, and where you are now, how do you feel about being a financial planner for the next sort of two years, five, 10 years kind of thing? Yeah. Um, super confident, not just for myself, but as the whole industry becomes matures is the word I've been using matures into a profession. Mm-hmm. Um, we have our roots, you'd know this really well. We have our roots in sales, like, yep. but it wasn't our generation that did that. Yeah. Um, but our compliance system was all built around sales. So now that we've started to think client-centric, which is how our generation thinks, we, yeah. we do think very client-centric. Now the legislation's caught up and gone a little too far in, in a couple of respects. <laughs> sure. But that's totally fine. We're maturing. We're growing up to becoming the same as the law of the legal industry, the same as the medical, the same as the accounting. We're just leveling up and joining the conversation properly. Yeah. Mate, that's such a great way of thinking about it. That's awesome. Um, or, mate, as I mentioned, thank you so much for coming on. I uh, really appreciate both, you know, walking sort of the, the XY Plus members through that really handheld uh, and budgeting. Um, and, but also I wanted to hear a little bit more about the background on that story um, and see where it's come from or where you're headed. And, yeah, man, thank you very much for sharing. Pleasure. Loved it. Thank you. Awesome. Cheers, mate.